Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Yeah And that's why they call me Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by Matt Smith and the hockey writers Blaine Putvang and Treg Toxic Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered hockey discussion, entertainment, and sometimes bad life advice. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and need some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluga! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, For a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH-balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver, and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 
and welcome to another exciting episode of Habs Unfiltered. Uh, my name is Blaine, I am your host, and I'm joined this week by Treg, formerly toxic, now just a major villain, Wilson. What's up? We are sadly without Matt Smith this week, who has decided so, I, I can't find the right words, he so selfishly chose to work and defend our nation instead of coming on to this show. What an ass. Unreal. Unreal. What kind of, what kind of person sacrifices their time, their energies just to defend us? Jerk. Doesn't he know that this is more important? Right. And he's such a jerk. You'd think he'd be a Carolina fan. Big time jerk. He is a huge Aho fan. He does have a Montreal Canadiens Aho jersey. You mean former Montreal Canadian legend Sebastian Aho? Sebastian Aho signed a contract with the team. Therefore, was a member of the team for an entire week. <laughs> Can't deny it. Still waiting for that uh, that memorial video when he comes to visit. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, so it is Friday, September 11th, as we record. Uh, I think it's, it's appropriate that we uh, acknowledge the anniversary of September 11th and send out our thoughts, prayers, hearts, minds, whatever, whatever could possibly help the families of the victims, first responders, and those who went overseas to defend and get back some of what we lost. So uh, thank you to all of them. Thank you to our compatriots. Thank you. Well said. Well, I try, but it's iffy. It is what it is. It's a good 19 thing. Years. 19 years. It's unreal, eh? Mm. Do you, do you remember where you were when it happened? Yeah, I was working in the uh, kitchen of Big League's Beverage Room in Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia, Oof. home of Nate McKinnon and that other guy. And uh, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was dead in there. I just got in there probably an hour before it happened and didn't see the first one. And then, of course, the bartender or whatever said, hey, guys, you going to go see this? We went out, and then we saw the second plane crash in. And then basically that's all we did for the rest of the day was sit there and watch the television. And, I mean, nobody nobody left their house. Nobody was coming out. So, nope. yeah, that was pretty much what I did. Uh, I, was on a, I was on my what used to be called the OSCAB. So there's a month-long course where they taught you how to paint. Just a – it's a nonsense course. Mm -hmm. And we were tying knots and then we saw it on when we were on break, <clears throat> 20 minutes later, we all got called onto the parade square and the course was automatically canceled. Everybody's qualified and sent off to the units as soon as they could, but That's nobody what, could go. That would be today's uh, NETP, would it not, OSCAB? Yeah, yeah. So for, for civilian listeners, uh, that would be basically your basic seamanship training, teaching you how to do some painting, some knots, uh, you know, basic seaman stuff. How, how to do things when at sea. Sailor stuff. You can't say seaman anymore. Sailor. That's true. As of today, it's official. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, that's where we were. And then uh, I think a group from one of the American airplanes came in and we fed them for free. Yep. And then that was about it. We closed the bar down early and yeah. the rest is history. No one was in much of a mood. No, no. Uh, so from that somber note to a less somber note, we're going to, there's no real good way to segue away from that to no. hockey. Uh, so as what we always do, hockey's our distraction. Hockey's our, our pastime, our passion. So thank God we have that to distract us from more serious things. And there's been a little bit of news. I mean, uh, we, we made a joke with the Habs Unfiltered account that we were recording tonight and there wasn't much to talk about. So we'll just make fart noises on air, but uh, that's our normal go-to move. So maybe we can just talk hockey instead. Um, there was, there's been quite a bit of news about Deno, Domi, uh, stuff about Jake Allen taking over for Carey Price. Like, going to happen. Somebody actually said that. Unreal. Wow. But uh, we'll start with the, the Deno stuff. Um, you, you listened to Elliot Friedman's original uh, radio hit, did you not? I didn't listen to the actual read. I saw on social media what was said is, is, is what I saw. I didn't actually listen to the um, radio bit myself. Uh, but it, it was worded in a way where it all depends on how you wanted to read it or listen to it and how you wanted to take it. So from what I read, I don't know if you listened to it at all, but from what I, I read... Um, he was just saying that uh, basically it sounded like he was saying Bergevin was shopping to know uh, or let, letting everyone know to know may be available and putting feelers out there to see what he could get back. That, that, that was my, yeah. however, I also looked at that as being someone who's been following hockey for a long time as he didn't really come out and say Bergevin was shopping. He just said words out that Deneau could be available. Yeah. Yeah. He, he met in the radio um, hit that he had done. He said that Deneau's name was out there. So right. it's kind of vague as to where he got the information from, which is clearly not out of Montreal because nobody gets anything out of there. And if it is out of Montreal, Deneau's up for a contract in another year. Deneau thinks he's the number one center. Or actually, I shouldn't say that. Deneau wants to be seen as more than just a defensive center. Yeah. So when I, I shouldn't say he thinks he's that because I don't care what anyone says. Deneau's interview and what he said in the offseason, to me, wasn't anything bad. No. Basically, he just said, I, I'm not willing to give up my minutes, right? I want to play, which is nothing wrong with that. Who does? Uh, and I'm more, I want to be known as more than just a defensive center. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, I don't know if I was playing in the NHL and someone interviewed me and say, Hey, these two guys are, I'm not going to go, well, yeah, I'm just, man, I, I, I'm so glad they're going to knock my minutes down by three minutes and I'm, you know, uh, going to play. And I don't want to say a less important role. Cause I don't think the defensive center has a less important role. He may have the most important role cause he has to shut down the, the top line. Uh, 
So I, I found nothing wrong with the no set. I know a lot of people did. A lot of people took it as he wants out of Montreal. A lot of people took it as, you know, he's mad at Montreal and all this stuff. But he does have a contract coming up uh, next season. At the end of, ne- end of this season coming up. I don't even know what season we're in right now. But at the end of the 20, uh, 2021 season, he's a UFA. So, of course, he's going to want to be saying, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a top six center because I want to get paid as a top six center. Well, that's what he's been doing. And, that, and, that's, and he's been playing as a top six center, center in Montreal. On another team, would Deneau be a top six center? Maybe a 2B. Maybe a 2B, depending on the team. I mean, he did finish sixth in the Selkie votes, uh, so... You can't say that defensively he's unsound. So he, defensively is uh, a big hit. Uh, 50-point player, that, that sounds like a 2C. It sounds like a 2C to me. Um, he's not a 1C. I'm, no. I'm going to say that. He's not a 1C. Uh, Montreal hasn't had a 1C since, I think, Danfus. All you Koivu lovers can say Koivu was a 1C. I don't think Koivu was a 1C. I think Koivu was a An a excellent 2C. 2C. An excellent 2C. Um, and I don't see him, even if he is a 3C this year, I don't see his production really waning. Because I, I, I can see Montreal doing the Islanders thing, just like Claude Julien Ole been doing, and rolling three lines continuously with the fourth line jumping every, every once in a while. So he's still going to get 14, 15 minutes a game, plus PK time, maybe power play time, maybe. He wasn't yeah. really a, a power play standout with Montreal before. So he's still going to get his 15 minutes a game. Seven, I would, if he's third line, 15 minutes a game. Uh, and he's going to take all the important uh, face-offs at the end, you know, in each end at the end of the periods or at the end of the game, depending on... I mean, if we're down by three goals, the fourth line... Or if down by a goal, the fourth line will be out at the end of the game as per what Julian likes to do. And if we're yeah. up by... But uh, I believe this whole talk about Deneau, I, I don't think it's for Montreal management. And if it is, it's just their way of posturing by saying, just so you know, we're not afraid to. Because everyone knows Montreal, for the first time in years, has, is strong at sea. They, they, they can trade with the upper hand at sea. Yeah. Um, I personally believe none of that information came from Montreal management. I believe it came from either other teams, an agent, or I don't, I don't, Elliot Friedman doesn't usually pull things out of his ass. So there's something said somewhere. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Deneau, if, you know, some, he, some teams asked about Deneau or Bergevin brought Deneau up to some teams. It wouldn't shock me in the least. They are heavy at sea. And if Domi wants to come back and play as a C, Something got to give because neither one of them is going to be a fourth line C. Well, knowing the way, uh, knowing the way that uh, Bergevin likes his teams to play and how Julian likes his teams to play, it's pretty clear that they would rather keep Deno and move Domi. Um, as for the um, as for the the chatter that may be out there, um, Deno is represented by uh, Don Meehan. So Don, yeah, Don Meehan from uh, was it Newport? Newport. So, yeah. So there, there was rumors. Someone had said Stefan Fisay from Newport, but I think it's Don. You're. I think you're right, Don Meehan. 
Yeah, it, it might be another another agent at Newport, but uh, yeah. Don Meehan runs Newport. Uh, it could be him. Either way, uh, the way Don Meehan works is very similar to the way that uh, Alan Walsh works. Not as aggressive. Without the bullhorn. Yeah. <laughs> take the bullhorn away, take the sword away. And that's, that's how they work. They, they whisper things into the, the media's ear. So I would not be surprised in the slightest that Elliot Friedman got a text message from one of the agents saying, hey, you know, Deno's name is out there and it's probably some kind of a pressure play on, on Deno, who obviously wants to stay in Montreal. He's from there. Uh, he he developed his game in Montreal. He's picked up a, a an important role as a while being a Montreal Canadian. So why would he want to leave? Why not stay? Make good money. And, and that brings up another point: if his name is out there, what kind of money is he asking for? Is he asking for uh, for the Hayes level? contract you know Hayes in Philadelphia got about seven million a year for seven years is he asking for that amount because that would be that would be something that I don't know the Canadians would want that might be too rich for them well with all the UFAs that are well UFAs I should say that they have a an RFAs coming up after next season that's might be a little bit rich for because you still got Gallagher you got to sign Petrie if you want to bring him back Tatar, if you want to bring him back, uh, Cocky and Emmy, I think is due. He's an RFA yep. that year. I think Suzuki's an RFA. Suzuki, or is he the, the following year? He's the following year. Um, but you have some big puzzle pieces in there that you have to resign. Um, you're going to need a backup goalie if Primo's not ready. So, do you bring Allen back, or do you go out and get another uh, another goalie? So. Romanov. Oh. Romanoff, yeah, Romanoff's going to be. Well, he'll still be under his ELC. He's got he'll two seasons year. left, so you're looking you're looking two to three years down. Him the and road. Suzuki be the next year after that. Yeah. So there, there's a lot. And what's to the me, cap going to be? What's the cap going to be in three years? We don't know. I mean, I know next year is supposed to be the same as this year. Supposed to be. Then after that, what? And from the rumors, I hear a flat cap for the next three years, but they weren't sure about year three. So could go down, the, could go down. And if if COVID thing happens and you're not getting any fans into the buildings, you, it's definitely going to go down. Yep. Um, seven million is a lot for a guy you're looking at as your third center. And that's the thing right there. Right. Um, nothing against Deneau, but, and who knows? Kotyemi could come in next year and maybe not be able to handle the 2C role. It's, it's very, very possible. possible. I mean, Suzuki, to me, I think has won the 1C role. It's his to lose. I think Kotyemi could flip-flop with the no 2C, 3C, depending on how his play's going. But Kotyemi's a two-way... Uh, uh, him and Suzuki are both 200-foot centers. So it's not like you're you're losing that. I mean... Don't get me wrong, Deneau's more experienced. He's better at it. He was sixth in Selkie voting, so it's not like he's not being recognized for it. However, he's also older than the other two. Yeah, he's 27. He's 27. They're 20, 20 and 22. 20 so, and 21. 20 and 21, you're right. So, yeah. you know, so if they're playing, if he's here, 
you know, on level three and they're on level two at their age, they should be where he's at in a year or two. Yeah. And that's the, that the, we're all basing this on a very solid playoff by these two young centermen. Right. But can Kotniemi repeat? Can Suzuki maintain? Those, that's a hard thing to do. So holding on all, to Deno would be the likeliest move. I would, to me, Deno would be the guy I would sign and keep, but not at $7 million. Especially, no, if you're, no. especially if you're looking at him as your third-line center for the future. Here's here's the way I would I would probably play it. I'd try to get him on a cheap, a slightly cheaper deal. I would offer him the term. He wants seven years. Give him the seven oh, years. Oh, definitely. Yep. At twenty-seven, seven years. Yeah, thirty. Take him to thirty-five. Sure. Yeah. But if you can get him at five and a half, you know, use the flat cap to your advantage. You know, sell him on the hometown thing. Maybe he goes for it. Let's imagine he goes to six. It's not that bad of a deal. And in about two years' time, it, once those two young centermen are really ready to roll and they've taken over Deno's role, who's proven that he can hold his own at, uh, as a 2C, then you can move him as long as you don't have a, a clause. You could also give him the 5.5 with bonuses, which could, oh, get yeah. him up to, which could get him up to the $7 million he's looking for. Maybe, but that's still against the cap and that's still not what you want. Yeah. But either way. Either way, the, the, all this points to the fact that the Canadians finally have depth in a position, a position they haven't had depth in in 30 years. So why the hell not try and hold on to a couple extra guys? Pick either Domi or Deno to trade. Absolutely, you got holes to fill. They can't both stay with those two young centermen. You don't want those, four, those guys filling your bottom six at those costs. So... Yeah, move one, keep the other, and then a couple years down the lo- uh, down the line, Paling's on his way up. Maybe he can take over three C, and then you can move him out. Holy crap! Is that what, what was that? I can't hear. Was that depth at center? What the hell? Uh, I mean, if we want to move to the Domi argument, Domi has a less argument, or you could defend Domi less than you can to know to stay in Montreal right now. You you can defend Domi's offensive game. You can, above, but above Deno's. But is but Domi's I, offensive game going to be that much above Deno's if he's playing third and fourth line? Absolutely not. The, 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 so if Domi wants to be a center, because we can both agree now, if they get rid of Deno and keep Domi, Domi's not taking over two C from Kotniemi or one C from Suzuki. No, because they're better defensively. Correct, and we know Julian's going to go. Sorry, Domi, but. I trust these guys more on both halves of the ice than you. But they're they're young. They're they're young. He doesn't like young players. Sure. So I've been told. Sure. Over and over again. It's not that he doesn't like them. It's that he looks at the NHL. The, to him, the NHL is not a developing a developmental league. No. He doesn't trust them, and that's why if they really mess up except in the case of Suzuki last year because he still had enough trust in Suzuki that he's like, all right, I know you messed up. You better learn from it. Other guys he didn't give, like Paling and them, he didn't give them too much leeway because Julian's not, he's not a head coach for as long as he has in the NHL because he's dumb. 
he knows what's wrong with these young kids, but he's not there to fix it. That's not his job to fix their problems because he's dealing with the entire team. Yeah. Don't get his me wrong. His job's to win. His job's to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't try to help the young kids in that out. What I'm saying is, is in a pressure situation, if he's going into a game where he can go, all right, Nick Cousins, I'm going to put you in because you're a veteran. If you mess up, I can get mad at you and I can shut, you know what I mean? And being asked to you, if I do that to this guy, I'm going to shatter his confidence. Yeah. So I'd rather have you in there and fuck up than have this guy in here and mess up and then me have to deal with it. Right? Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Other people just think Julian, oh, he ran Sagan at a and I've talked to some Boston fans and they're like, he didn't run these guys out. They didn't fit to his system of play. And at the time, Boston wanted his system of play, and in the end they won a Stanley Cup with it. So Keep in mind too, when Segan was moved out of Boston, they were a more mature team. They were they were more comp- I mean, they just won a cup. They they made it to a final. And they moved him out. And he's 21. He's a multimillionaire. He's a he's a hockey star. He might have gotten to his head a little bit. So he's out partying, he's out late. It pissed off the the team leadership that kept talking to him. And it was they they figured yeah, move him for what, what we need for now. And obviously, long term, that was a bad move. You could say that, but Boston's been in. Uh, it wasn't that bad. It didn't really hurt Boston that much. No, it didn't. But if you're looking purely at talent, purely at impact, clearly Sege would be an amazing 1C. Oh, no, no doubt about it. No he's doubt about well it. In, he's doing well in uh, Dallas. And if Dallas wins the cup with him, Clearly, Dallas won the trade. Oh, clearly. I mean, I think this is a segue into our next segment, but <laughs> we can revisit that a little bit later. But um, hint, going hint, back, we're, go, we're going back to that. Going back to the Domi thing, I just think there's more of an argument to keep Dano than there is Domi. Because if you want to keep Domi yeah. and you want to get him the offense that he can provide, he has to play top six. In order for him to do that, he has to move to the wing. Also, I think the bigger impact player, and this sounds weird because Domi can get you 70 points, but I think the bigger impact player is Deno, who can get you 45, 50 points, but shut down top lines. So it's a net positive in the offense, whereas Domi is more of an even player, but he is definitely much further ahead offensively. He, he, he can generate the offense by himself. And he can get you 70 points, but the question is, is he a 70-point player? If you put him with the right players, he absolutely is. But if he's on a third line, he's not. No, he's not. And I only say that because he only hit 70 points once. I mean, you can make the argument. But technically. Technically, he's a 70-point player. (laughs) Just like technically, Galchenyuk's a 30-goal scorer. That's right. Because they have done it. However... If you're being a realistic, uh, if you're not like me, just trying to win an argument, being an ass about it, uh, if you really want to think about it, unless they can do that multiple times, I don't really, if a guy can't score, if a guy scores 30 goals once, technically he's a 30 goal scorer, but he's not really a 30 goal scorer unless he can do it consistently. Does he? Ha- yeah, does he have the ability to do it again? Right. A- and in Domi's case, I think he does. With the right but, people. Yeah, exactly. He needs to be paired up with the right people. Not people like Dale Weiss who are going to miss open nets on perfect passes. 
I'm multiple just, times in a game. Just think how good Domi would have been in the playoffs. I don't think many people be arguing about Domi in the playoffs if Dale Weiss hit those two perfect passes into the open net. Yeah, he, he played. He played what about a game, game and a half with with guys like Kotniemi, and he had three assists in one game. And people right. were after that game. Oh my God, Domi's back, and then he got moved away from that line, and he wasn't producing anymore. And, and Wonder it's the why. same with with Drewan. Drewan, when he started playing with Suzuki. He ended up tying Suzuki for the league leading points. Yeah, for the playoffs, and yet everyone still shit all over Druin. Why are you shitting all over Druin? Because he missed a fucking penalty shot. Because it looked like he was dogging it on back checking. When in reality, the team's defensive structure had him as the F three returning, meaning he wasn't the one that had to motor back. He had to cover the trailer, so it looked like he was dogging it. When in reality, he was in his position. Personally, you know, I thought Drew Ann played an excellent playoff. He did. Don't get me wrong. There were shifts where he dogged it. He well, was I mean, absolute dog shit. He was Drew Ann. He Exactly. But that was early on. As soon as he was given the chance to play with someone like Suzuki, suddenly he was in the game because, oh, shit, look at this. I've got a chance to actually. And the passes he was making. Something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, everyone, see, this is the problem. I have with expectations. Yeah, yeah. As he came to Montreal, signed that what six and a half million deal or whatever Five it was. Five and a half million deal. He was the French guy that they wanted to bring in. They wanted a French star, I guess. Yeah. Um and he came in and I'm sorry to tell everyone he's improved every year he's been in Montreal, point wise. The thing with him though is it's very frustrating because he plays when he wants to. Alex Kovalev played when he wanted to and no one cared. But then again, Alex Kovalev was getting 80 points a year. But uh, exactly. by himself. <laughs> Wait, he, yeah. could play, he could have played with Weiss and Wheel and still get 80 points. <laughs> this year. Yeah. At um, 51. And I, I get that. I do get that. But, I mean, you and I have followed Drew Ann since he was a junior. Yeah. And so we kind of know... Like I'm not, I was not expecting Duran to come in and get 70, 80 points. Not with this lineup. I would have been happy with 60. I'm happy with the 50. I mean, you're a 50 point guy. You're a two, you're a second line player. Yep. Sorry to tell you. I mean, this is going to turn into our next segment, but Alexander Radulov had 54 points his first year in Montreal and everyone thought he was the savior. Drew Ann yeah. last year. Drew Ann last year had fifty six points, and everyone thought he was the biggest bust in Montreal. Goes back to expectations. That exactly. But Rad, and that's the thing with with Drew Ann, When you're watching him, it looks like he's dogging it all the time. Whereas just, with Radulov, it looks like he's doing nothing but all out hustle all the time. So people will gravitate towards Radulov because hey. Look how much effort he puts in. Damn it, Drouet, why aren't you doing that? But in reality, it's about where you are on the ice and what your positioning is, what your role is. And yes, Drouet does dog it. He makes huge errors, but it's not as often or as pronounced as some of his detractors have made it out to be. I mean, I'm completely indifferent on Drouet. I mean, I... Like you said, we've watched him play since junior. Durant's, like exactly where, Durant's exactly where I thought he'd be. 
Well, I thought he'd be in Tampa. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> when it comes to Montreal, he had 53 points last year, 18 goals. Radulov's season in Montreal, he had 54 points with 18 goals. So they had the exact same season. Pretty much. Right. However, Except for that whole 25 game disappearance. But he still had 53 yeah. points, even though he disappeared for 25 games. Exactly. Right. I mean, I get it. Don't, I'm not, this is not me saying leave. Actually, it is kind of me saying leave Drew alone, but. Leave Brittany alone. You can't sit there and say Radulov was a savior at 54 points. And then Drew had the exact same season last year and go, well, this guy's a bum. I see what you're saying. It's all in the way you look at it. Yeah. Because everyone was expecting. I mean, he had 46 points his first year in Montreal. Everyone was okay with that. They're like, oh, okay. On some, a crappy year, and they forced him at center. Some people said he was, after the first 10 games, he was the number one center we needed, even though he wasn't. Um, oh, look at how well they played with Pacioretty in the preseason and in practice. Yeah. And then after five games, they weren't playing together anymore. So uh, <laughs> someone demanded a trade. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, we, man, this is the triple D episode now, not just the double D. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, Druin came in this year. He gave it his all. He started to look like he was working really hard. He worked hard in the off season or so we're told. He, you know, watching videos, seeing how he can prove his game. And I think he did improve his game. And then he hurt his wrist. And I think he kind of came back too early. I don't know if that was management forcing it on him. No, or no, that was him trying to. Himself. He came yeah. back too early and then he just couldn't get it together. I mean, he also hurt his ankle after. He got, you play he hockey, I play lacrosse. Back. There are two games where if your wrists aren't good, you're not, you're not holding that stick right. So, but his playoff this year, where he's playing with Suzuki, it proved that he can play with more talented players. And he obviously clicks with Suzuki. So at this point, I would say that his job in Montreal is safe. Suzuki's, I never thought it wasn't safe. Yeah. But th- there was talk that he was going to be the odd man out. But he's just proven that he is he's willing to play on the wing. He's, more, uh, he's happier on the wing because there's less defensive responsibility, which helps the team because, let's be honest, he isn't that great defensively. Uh, he's no. passable at best. And that's, and that's why he's the last man back. That's right. And the two uh, him and Suzuki together, there's some, there's some chemistry there. So more than likely we're going to see that next year, which means it comes back to Domi. Does Domi want to play wing? No, probably not. Does the team see him as a winger? Heck no. They wouldn't be saying publicly he's a center if they thought he Well, are they saying he's a center because if they're shopping him, they want to get a package back for a center and not a winger? Because you're going to get more for a center than you are for a winger. Yeah, but if you're moving a center to get a winger, you'll get a better winger for the center. You see, it's one but, of those but things. Like I'm saying here is, you know, Montreal management isn't stupid either. They're like, well, we're saying this guy's a center. He's going to want center money, but we're not going to pay him center money to play third, fourth line center. So we're <laughs> going to we're going to move him to a team that's more than happy to put him in a top Correct. six. So this is why I think Domi, even though I like Domi, I'd love him to stay in Montreal. Yeah. I think his days are numbered in Montreal. I do too. D- uh, to me, it's Drouin has proven that he can play on the wing with Suzuki, who has proven he can be in a top six role offensively. Right. I know plays too much of a, a, a large role defensively. 
hello Selkie votes, uh, to help the team. So he'll stay. Yeah. Kotniemi is a third overall pick who showed that he can play as a power forward. What the hell? Montreal hasn't had that since Shane Corson left. So yeah, they're not moving him either. So, uh, by the way, Kotniemi led the team in hits in the playoffs, averaging four point seven five hits per game. Just throwing that out there for everyone. Said he's too lanky and he needed to build up size and needed to use his size to his advantage. Guess what? He was listening. He sure was, and he pissed off at Avin Yo. Yeah, <laughs> taking out Sandheim. <laughs> I think everything pissed off Alain Vigneault. <laughs> well, he's still angry. I mean, the Islanders played a backup goalie in a game that his team wasn't in, and he was very upset. Oh, yes. And he was upset yeah. that they tried hard to win that game. Why would they do that? It's oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it comes, it, like I said, it comes back to it. everything is pointing to Domi as the odd man out. Exactly. Even uh, the unless, team... he, unless he wants to play wing. If he wants to yeah. play wing, if. It, I mean, yeah. if I'm the GM, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm trying to get the muscles for it, but if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm looking at him saying, listen, I'll pay you top six money, <laughs> but I'm going to pay you top six money to be a winger. But because if they I have, thought... I have no he, room for you as a center. Exactly. But if the team thought at all that he would play wing, why would the coach and the GM be touting him as a center publicly, especially in a contract year. Because they're trying to trade him away to get a better winger. <laughs> like, and, and that's what I'm saying. All the evidence, circumstantial as it may be, and we're just guessing at motives here, but all the circumstantial evidence points to Domi. So uh, I would expect Dano, nothing happens there. This stuff with Elliot Friedman, and I agree, Elliot never throws out garbage. He doesn't just throw things at the wall to see what sticks. That's Eklund's job. <laughs> or Tony Marinara. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Elliot Friedman is more of a journalist. He actually has contacts, and he doesn't share anything until he knows exactly what's going on from his, con- his contacts. Point or he says, I heard from... Multiple you know, sources. Multiple sources. This might happen or that might happen. Yeah. Like it, but it, it, it's an incomplete it, picture that he's sharing, right. but he, it's from reputable people. I, but in Montreal, I'm telling you, nobody knows anything until it happens. Not definitively, no, but there's agents. No. There's other teams. There's other hints. players. There's hands. You know. oh, yeah, we exactly. all knew Pacioretty was going to get traded, but we had no idea he was going to go to Vegas for what he got. Exactly. Then. Especially yeah. at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And everyone was up in arms. Oh my God, how can you trade a guy in the middle of the night? Well, that's when someone said, okay, I'll give you this done. Like, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, Bergman show went, hold on now. I will wait till the morning when everyone yeah. is up so that we well, can. So, sorry. We're on the day shift this week. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have to wait until 8 a.m. No. Trades happen when they happen. The important thing is that the player knows in advance what's coming. If, if he even, if he asked for the trade yeah. in this case, he did. So he should have known a trade's coming. Surprisingly, he got quite a bit for him. Well, the argument was Bergevin didn't want Suzuki. He wanted glass. When in reality, everything that's been said by both sides 
is was that Suzuki was or the deal yeah. wasn't being happening. Yeah, exactly. And I McPhee sure, didn't want to give him up. I am sure what happened was he goes, I want either Glass or Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, plus a pick. Plus a player. Uh, and they came back and said, oh, all right, well, we want to keep Glass. We'll give you Suzuki. And they said, okay, here's the pick. And we'll throw in Tatar. And they went, all right, we'll take him. Yeah, and we'll, we'll eat some of the cap for Tatar right. to make up the difference in value. And, you know, yeah. maybe instead of a third, it's a second now. So, yeah, clearly I Montreal mean, wanted a centerman back in the deal. And yeah. they said, I, I agree. They more than likely said, we like Glass. We like Suzuki. Pick one and we'll build the deal around that. Right. I mean, so for all those people saying they didn't want, I won't name any names, but it rhymes with Robbie. <laughs> anyway yeah well uh, he didn't i just read his tweet and he's like he didn't want suzuki and it's like it was never no that's not how trades go he doesn't come in and say i want this guy nothing else or else he wouldn't have settled for the trade if that's what the, if that was the case um, exactly exactly i mean i know there's a lot of fans out there who try to make everything bergevin does look bad even when it's good I mean, and hey, he does a lot of dumb shit. Something you know, oh, he has, he has. Alzner. <laughs> uh, yep. I personally, I think the Drewam for Sergachev trade was a bad trade only because we traded away something of need for something we didn't need in a shallow pool. And, yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everything Bruzman does is great. He should have done what he's doing now in 2012. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you but know, back 2000... to the back to that Drouin trade. He could have he had Eiserman over a barrel. He could he have did. given way less to get he the player. Could that have probably given up someone like Nathan Bulio or did he have yeah Bulio? yeah someone like that? Oh. If he wanted a defenseman, he could have given one of his lesser defensemen and maybe even threw in a fourth or third liner and said, "Here, take Who these guys." Eating the cap on it too, like yeah. Something. Uh, it was just Eiserman. Just I don't know. Use the the language thing. Yeah, he used it. Well, this will be your French superstar. We if you're yep. gonna, we're gonna give you a guy that's gonna be your team superstar. We want something in return. And he bit. He fell he for it on it. Full yeah. hook line sinker. But son of a. Uh, but I mean, if you really look at the left hand side of the defense now, you can't argue with it. I don't well, think we're. I don't think we're there yet, but I don't think we're, I don't think the priority for left-handed defensemen is there anymore. I think it's the, there's still a priority there. It's not what I'm saying is it's not the top priority. Like it was last year or there'd definitely be no priority now because if they would have had Sergachev there with Romanov, correct. Sergachev, Romanov, if Rot would have came over, oh sure, they would have. They would have. We wouldn't have heard of a guy named Victor Mete. So I would have been happy. Yeah, uh, and also people need to remind themselves that just because Sergachev got forty points in Tampa Bay does not mean he would be a forty-point player in Montreal. No, I mean I can say flat out, without a doubt, that he would not have been. Because he would not be isolated the way he is in Tampa. No. That team is stacked. And I'm not taking away from Sergachev. I don't think Sergachev's great defensively. I don't think he's horrible. 
Uh, but he is used properly. He he's used properly. He's a good puck moving defenseman. He's uh, what? And I'll I'll say this, and I'm just our devil's argument, or because I'm not really a fan of the Drew and Sergachev trade. Nope. But just to say something, Sergachev played four games in Montreal and looked normal. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing, you know. He didn't shine in his four games in Montreal the year before he got traded. Uh, so you look at that too. He came in, he had his chance, and he didn't really take it. Is this really going to be the big defensive star we thought he was going to be? And now he's gone. So, I mean, I know we're going to do a little bit of a segment on guys who used to play for the team who now play for other teams. So we might as well get into that now. I think it's a good place to segue because we're yeah. already doing that. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm just saying that if if there's a uh, an offer sheet that comes out and Sergeyev's the guy he throws it at, I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against it either. I think that Will would be Sergeyev an excellent sign one. it? Why not? Who knows? Well, I don't see why he wouldn't. It's not like Montreal said, oh, we got rid of this guy because he sucks and he's a, you know, he's a horrible no. human being. No. I think he was the guy Eiserman asked for, and yeah. Bergevin was so starstruck by the French guy coming over, he was willing to throw almost anyone at him. So, yep, yeah. Um, anyway, but that's that deal, and that deal's over with, and we have Druin, and you can hate on Druin all you want, but I don't think he's really playing all that bad. It's but he's not, not the savior that he was touted he, to be. He's not the savior he was touted. He's not the friend. He's not the the Saint Patrick that came in and he's the French superstar. That yeah. What's that? What's that? Mad TV. Uh, There's a segment on Mad TV. Lowered expectations. Lower. No, that's Saturday Night Live. Was oh that, no, it is Mad TV. Yeah. Yeah. Lowered, lowered expectations. expectations. But that's the dating it, service we need with Drew Wang. <laughs> <laughs> you just. Uh, but, I mean, this is an issue we all have. I mean, Paling scores three goals in a game against Toronto, and everyone thinks he's going to be our 2C the following season. No. And it's like I said earlier in a, on, in a Twitter thing, or did I say it on the show last time or whatever? I don't know when I said it, but I Probably said both. Paling's in his first year of pro, and you're expecting him to be a 60-70 point guy. Yes, he struggled. He struggled in his first year of pro. But that's, you shouldn't hold that against him. It was his first year of pro. Yeah. I don't care if he scored three goals in a last season, last game of the season when Toronto sat half their defense. Right? Did they? It was hard to tell because... Well, it was hard to tell. Toronto doesn't yeah. really have defense. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. He played a great game, scored the hat trick, scored the shootout goal, whatever. But you can't expect that from then on. There was a reason he went to Laval to start the season. Yeah. Right. And when, I don't know, I just think people put paling after he scored those three goals. I mean, he put, there's some podcasts out there that take players and put them on this pedestal. And then everyone who listens and all that stuff. And I mean, nothing against that, if that's the way you want to do it, but especially with young rookie guys, you got stuff to caught Yammy had this great playoff series. Could be the two C, but he may not be ready. He may have to drop back down to three C. Now, if he goes and he has a great offseason, if he goes and works out, does everything he's supposed to, continues to work on his skating, sure, he can walk in and he can be adequate to really good. Or he could freaking stumble, fall flat on his face, and end up in Laval. I don't think he will based on how hard he worked 
when he hurt after a spleen injury. He wants to be that guy. It looked like and he flipped think, the switch. I think he's going to be. Is he going to be a 70-point guy? I don't think so. 60 max, I would say, on a good sure. year. Sure. Suzuki? It, 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 yeah. He's the guy you got to look at. I think this could be the guy that becomes our big score. I think he's yeah. the guy you got you to look at. Same with Cole Caulfield. Uh, is Caulfield going to be the superstar coming in? No. No. I think Caulfield's going to be a 30-35 goal. Protected well. Pretty good. On the right line. Which is pretty good. I mean, no one argues about Gallagher being a 30-35 goal guy, but... Caulfield plays the same style of game. And this is where we're going to segue into the whole ex-Montreal Canadiens players. Caulfield plays the same kind of game that Pacioretty plays. Only he's smaller. He, yeah, he's smaller, but Pacioretty doesn't play big. No, he doesn't use his body. No, they, he oh, he's six foot two. He must be a power forward. No, he's a perimeter sniper. Yeah. That's that's what that's Pacioretty's game. He's good defensively, but you you give him an open lane with a shot, it's going in, and that's that's Caulfield. He can set yeah. up goals. He can he has a hell of a shot, and he can skate back and knock down a couple of you know make a couple of good decent defensive plays. So you basically have the same player, just more compact. It's just, and, and so now I we're mean, looking at, we're looking at Pacioretty in, in Vegas and holy crap, look at him. He scored a couple of playoff goals. Vegas is in the third round. Well, he's, you know, he's one of their star players, except it's obviously because Pacioretty's there. We'll ignore the fact that Mark Stone is on his line and he's, he is the star player on that line. And Paul Stastny. Paul Stastny, they got uh, they got Carlson there. Sometimes they sometimes line up with him. Yeah, like it, it's you look at the team Vegas has, and they're uh, they got Shea Theodore on the on defense. He is a star defenseman, two way run uh, run uh, run and gun star defenseman. They're just a better team right better. now, right now, and and yeah. that's fine. Yeah, uh, another so they're player. having success. We have talked about a couple times in this episode already. Yeah, Radulov. Uh, there was a yeah. Little... I was kind of hope... I was holding back on that one. All right, that well, one I'm a little we, bit more. We can hold back. We can we can go somewhere else. I, I want to finish. You want to go with him? Power play specialist Nick Cousins. Exactly. So <laughs> people are actually thinking that trading Nick Cousins for a fourth is making Bergevin look dumb. I'm sorry. No, he was a healthy scratch most of the playoffs. He's he's doing really well. He put he put him on the ice. You know what you're going to get with Nick Cousins. Yep. No no ifs ands or buts. But he's a depth player. So getting a fourth round pick for him when you're selling, not bad. Will that fourth round pick turn out? Probably not. A fourth round pick. Yeah, it could turn into Mete. Which is good or bad depending on who you are. <laughs> but but that's if you're my me, point. You're bad. You're selling a depth player at the deadline. You get a fourth round pick. Yeah. You take your chances. It, it's it's a crapshoot. And yes, he's doing well in Vegas, but he is also on a, a team that's built for the playoffs. Pacioretty is surrounded with better centermen, something he never had in Montreal. What? David DeArnais was the greatest centerman in Montreal history. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. 
in retrospect, Dayarnay played above what he should have played and did well. Exactly. But and this is the point I'm getting to at, at this point here. If you're going to move a player like Pacioretty who can score 30 goals, you better get yourself a good young player that fills a need. They got Suzuki. They got a couple other pieces too. One of those pieces is Norlander, and everyone is tooting his horn hard oh, right now. He is killing it in the Swedish Hockey League exhibition games. Killing yeah, it. but there's, you know, Jack Han, a former uh, Toronto Marley coach, worked with the Leafs. He worked in their scouting department. He loves this kid. So did Montreal lose this trade if Vegas wins a cup? No. Absolutely not. No. Montreal got what they wanted. Vegas it- got what they wanted. Everyone's happy, Actually, unless you're a Habs fan that hates the deal. Version. Well, no. you may not like the deal because Patrick was your favorite player and you hated to see him go. I, you know what? I have favorite players. Well, I hate to see them go, sure. But if the return that we get is a good return, why would I be upset about that? And if my, my play favorite player is playing and maybe winning a cup with a team, why would I be upset about that? And would you want to keep Pacioretty on the Montreal Canadiens until the age of 37, making no. $7.5 million? No. Well, that's what they got. They sold. They, they went out and bought for now. Vegas is in it for now. The in Canadians Montreal are in it for No. They're looking down the road. As much as you think the Subban for Weber was a win-now trade, which it was no. not. And here's my, here's my thing I want to throw out to all these Subban for Weber, and this is the last I'm going to talk about this trade. If it was a win-now trade, if they wanted to win now, and Subban was supposedly the better defenseman, why were they trading away Subban to win now? That's no, my I'm question gonna... out there. Yeah, and uh, the answer is in our last episode that we had, uh, we had Scott come on the show, uh, the host of Lead Don't Boss. So Scott McCarthy discussed this on a leadership aspect, and that's the reasoning behind the trade, and I agree with him. So go back to the last, uh, the last episode with Scott McCarthy, Lead Don't Boss. Have a listen to that. If you don't trust his, uh, his point of view on leadership – Go to, his, go to his show, Lead Don't Boss. Listen to a couple episodes. He cover, his show is about leadership. And if you're still not sure about it, he is a senior officer in the Canadian Army, so he might know a little bit more about leadership than other people. I don't know. I worked for someone who was a really good leader. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you never worked for me. <laughs> I, oh, I know you're not. <laughs> What I'm people love me. I, I send them home early and everything. The guy I used to write for this podcast used to be associated with. Oh, <laughs> that guy. That guy. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but moving on from that nightmarish scenario topic to the next one, uh, you brought up Radulov. So give her. So I'm going to say this about Radulov. First of all, believe what you want. I totally believe he was offered the same money by Montreal as he was in Dallas, and he went to Dallas because of lower taxes and better money. And Montreal would have had to raise that by at least $1.5 million to $2 million to sign him. I can't blame Radulov for taking the money. I can't either. I, I don't blame Radulov for that. No. I, ha- I s- 
truly believe in my heart of hearts that Radulov used Montreal to springboard him into the NHL. He would have stayed in Montreal if Montreal would have gave him more money. Sure. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I think he liked the city. He liked playing in Montreal. I don't think he was lying when he said that. Nope. But I also think he wanted a payday. Which you can't uh, blame him. And I, and I don't blame any player that goes after a payday. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, you mean to tell me I can go to the HMCS Charlottetown for $4 million or the HMCS Toronto for three and a half? I'll go to the Charlottetown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. Like, are yeah. you going to do that? Are you going to pick a job and go, this job will give you this much money and this job will give you a little bit less? I'm going to go there. <laughs> Unless your wife tells you that, to take the one for less, you're going for more money. Or unless he really, really loved Montreal. Unless he really wanted to stay in Montreal, really loved being there, wanted to stay there, he would have signed for the same. And I'm not knocking him by saying that. I'm not knocking the guy by saying that. No. But what would have happened had he stayed? Interesting you would say that question. Uh, What would have happened would have been Montreal would have had to been in a sort of win now, make the playoffs now type scenario. They probably sign and keep Pacioretty, which means you don't get Suzuki and you don't get Norlander. And you also have eight and a half million in Radulov and seven and a half million in Pacioretty. In Pacioretty. So now you're a bit cap strapped. You don't rebuild your prospect covered because guess what? You're not finishing low enough to uh, draft Kotkinemi uh, or Cole Caulfield. And you probably still get Romanov because Romanov was kind of surprised everyone when they picked him. So we can in say the Deno probably, trade, but that was the Deno trade. Yeah, but I'm just saying that pick, they probably could have got him if they picked later. Um, so here's here's what you're looking at. You don't have Caulfield, you don't have Kotkaniemi, you don't have Norlander, and you don't have Suzuki. But you have two guys who are in their mid 30s, both making around eight million dollars. And the team is basically where it was kind of limping into the playoffs every year. Not going anywhere when they get into the playoffs. Plus you have Weber, who everyone complains is on a, on a seven, he's on a $7.8 million contract at 30, what's he now? 36, 35, 35. You have, uh, you have price on a ten and a half million dollar contract at 33. Um, you know, then you have Gallagher, Deneau, and all these guys coming up, and now you don't have the money to sign all these guys. So who do you keep? And who's at center? You got Deneau, 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 and I don't know Evans. Evan, maybe if they get Evans, Vidamo. Well, Evans was a seventh rounder. Yeah, Evans, Vidamo, Mike McCarron. Maybe yeah, McCarron's yeah. still there. Yeah, he might still be there. Right, How would but, the team look then? So this is what you got to think about. You, you can sit there and say, oh, well, he should have signed Radulov for more and kept him. Radulov had 34 points last year. Or this year, sorry. He's doing well in the playoffs. He is, but he had thirty-four points. But now, who's he on as a line Montreal with? fan, if we would assign him to his we're gonna say, I would say say seven and a half. We'll say seven and a half. Sure. What did he what's he get now? Six or something? Six, Six and, and, a half. and a half. Say seven and a half. We'll say seven and a half, eight to stay in Montreal. Sure. The difference in the taxes. And he's now 35, 36? 35. 35. And he scored 34 points, and you still have this contract for the next four years. 
Three. Three more years. Three more years. So now he's going to be 35, 36, 37, 38. He only got 34 points this year. I guarantee you on Montreal, if he scored only 34 points in Dallas, that 34 points is more like 21. Well, he's not playing with a Ben or a Segay in Montreal. That's right. And he's not scoring 72 points like he did his first two years in Dallas with Montreal. No. 55 to 65 max. Max. Yeah. Yep. So now how does that $8 million contract look if this guy's only getting around 55 points a year? Even if he is getting... Basically, he's Jonathan Druin. Yeah. Expectations. So... Sure. I mean, good for Radulov. I hope he wins a cup. I really do. I like Radulov in Montreal. I was one of the guys on Twitter saying, throw him the money when he, when he, when he was, sure. came up for free agent. I wanted him to stay. I loved him. But now that I've seen the future, yeah. we're better off that he's gone. We're, I, I hate to tell people Montreal right now is a better off team now than they were in 2017 or 2016. Yeah. Now, or any of the first five years, Bergevin was the GM. In 2017, after that, that offseason where he, he had the take-it-or-leave-it crap to Radulov and Markov, I wanted both to stay. Had those two stayed, uh, the team in 20, uh, the, the following season when they really sucked, like really sucked, that would not have happened had they stayed. They wouldn't have really sucked, but they also would have been a bubble team. A bubble team. I don't think they would have got the hundred and some odd points that they got the year before, but they would have made the playoffs. They might have won a round, maybe. maybe. But the, or, but, but then they that, would start going. They would start going down. Yeah, and, and on that, had they had they because of what he did, that take it or leave it crap, Bergevin screwed up royally. He yes. lost Radulov. He lost Markov. Uh, the team sucked and. I wanted him fired. Yes, definitely. But since then, he has finally done what he said he was going to do in the first place. And the team is now better off. But here's my question. And this is what I'm going to throw out there. And this might come out to uh, a thing that was happening early in the season. Is Bergevin doing now what he wanted to do in the first place because Molson's letting him do what he wanted to do in the first place as opposed to letting him do it in 2012. I, I think Molson has a yeah. big thing to play here. He does. This whole talk about making playoffs every year, I think that's a Molson thing, not a Bergevin thing. Because I don't think Bergevin right now gives two sweet asses if he makes the playoffs. Could you imagine? I've been saying this for years. For years. Can you imagine what Montreal fans would be like if the team tanked on purpose? They can barely I, stand a tie game. I don't think they tank on purpose. No, let's just imagine they did. They, they sold off all their top players, and they just let the young, uh, you know, they just threw in some... some so they pulled a Detroit. Vets. They pull a Detroit. They just let things happen naturally by trading off your better yeah. players and holding on to a handful. And you miss four, four or five years of play. This, the city would yeah. tear itself down. It would That's tear my point. Down. This, the fan base does not have the patience to deal with a true full rebuild. The fan base, and I, I always say it's a loud minority because it is. Sure. They want playoffs every year, but star elite players every year. You don't yeah. get star elite players without drafting them. And you have to have them 
you have to have the right draft year to have it happen as well. So sure. You can complain that we don't have elite level hockey players and they'd be right. But, and you're not wrong. Yeah. But when the lowest you've drafted since the eighties is three and you've only done that twice in the past 20 years. And you traded one of them away and you, for a guy who scored nine goals. Well, yeah, but who ended up, you know, becoming better than the guy you traded. Yeah. Yeah. He was also Galchenyuk was also drafted one of the shittiest draft years known to man. Exactly. You have to, you got to be bad in the years where the draft is actually you know, when good. He's your, he was your top center and don't get me wrong. I was, I was glad they drafted here. All right. We're getting into something deeper here. You can't look at a draft five years later and say that was a shitty draft pick. And this is why, because at the time when people are drafted, you have to look at the, the draft, who was available where they were, uh, where they were supposed to be drafted, based on the uh, 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 the these, the drafting board, uh, what CSB or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, the Central Drafting Bureau. Central Drafting Bureau, CDB, and uh, and then you have to know whether or not your team picked the guy that should have been picked there, reached out for a guy that maybe shouldn't have been there, or this guy dropped and was supposed to be drafted earlier. Yeah, but if you, you can look back five years later and say, you know what, the guy, uh, the guy they picked was trash because they didn't develop him right. Uh, sure. Not that they, they reached or anything. But, but that has nothing to do with the draft and who you're drafting. Yes that and That has no. to do with your system and your development. It, it kind of, they all, they're, it's all tied together. They're, it you is, can't really you, tear it all draft, down. So you draft Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk was supposed to go top three that draft. Yeah. And he went third. He went exactly Definitely, where he was yeah. supposed to go. Did they develop? And he's still right? one of the higher point producers from that draft year. From that, from that, well, the top five. More, I yeah. mean, there was guys lower. Uh, however, was he developed right? Probably not. No, he wasn't. Nope. Uh, he, there was a lot of outside stuff going on there, but he probably should have went right into the minor, played the gear in Laval or something before coming up to Montreal. Whatever. Uh, say what you want. But they drafted the guy they should have drafted, is what I'm trying to say. True. And when you look at all their drafts, like when they draft in the 20s and all that kind of stuff, when you look at uh, uh, Mike McCarron. Yeah. McCarron there's was drafted, a failure. There's a, they reached for Mike McCarron because he was a big center. And it was a bad reach. Because they were trying to draft for a Size. need. A yeah, need we need, we need a, a big we need a big player to offset Lucic. And and that's the thing about drafting. You have to decide, do I need BPA or do I need draft what I need? Kotkaniemi was drafted pretty much for a need, but it's working out. Well, but it wasn't much of a reach either. It wasn't a reach cuz he was dropping or he was raising in the in the uh, draft anyway. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of going into the weeds a little yeah. bit on this. So we should kind of come back. It was the <laughs> Going whole... back to players who don't play for Montreal anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, if you got Radulov, you kept those guys, you don't have the team you have now, which I'm sorry to tell you is being built. And anyone who thinks I'm full of shit, go ahead and say I'm full of shit. This team is being built for a long-term contender. 
And if they kept Radulov and Markov and Pacioretty, the team wouldn't have done anything really in the playoffs. Maybe a nope. one playoff round win like we just had. Like and, or, unless Price really yeah. flipped on his head. So, that, so now you just kicked the can down the road. So the stuff that the Canadians have done for the last three seasons is now going to start this offseason instead of three years ago. Right. And, but for some, maybe it would have been worth it because Bergevin definitely would have been fired. Oh, he probably would have been fired. Yeah. Depending on how they finish this year, he would have been fired. But who the hell are they going to hire in his place? Pierre Maguire? He seems to be on everyone's radar. <laughs> he shouldn't. But, but you're absolutely right. Like, you can talk about firing Bergevin all you want. And he should have been. In 2017. That's right. But since then, he's done a good job. Ish. He's been the GM he should have been. Yeah. I, if you ask me, like people call me a Bergevin, fluffy Bergevin lover. <laughs> fluffy. I'm going to say, yeah, I have been the past three years because I think everything he's doing is for the right goal. I, I think it's... I don't, see, I don't mind missing playoffs if I know why I'm missing the playoffs. Mm, I miss the playoffs to build a better team for the future. My view on it is he's kind of, he's not quite half-assing it. He's just a little bit more than half-assing it because he's got an owner that doesn't want the team to be too bad. Exactly. He wants to, he wants to sell. I honestly think if he had his choice, he'd do a full rebuild and say, all right, I'm going to do a full rebuild and we're not going to make the playoffs for four or five years. Absolutely. It takes five to 10 years to build a team. Because what did they do in Chicago when he was there? They did a full rebuild. And exactly. They got Taves and Kane and Crawford and all these guys that led him to, you know. And he's trying to he's trying to do what Chicago did, but not quite, because he's got an owner not letting him quite do it. So absolutely right. And he probably would have been fired had he done the <laughs> had he done the full rebuild anyway, because the fans would get upset. For it. Yeah, the media would get upset. The fans would get upset. We win a cup every five years, and now we haven't won one. Listen, it's a totally different league than 1980. This is not Sam Pollock yeah. days where... It's been 30 freaking years, people. That's uh, almost 30 years. Yeah. We're at 27 now. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can stop with the whole we're the greatest franchise ever thing. I mean, we can look back fondly, but as of right now, we're a middling team. If you really want to get political... I don't no, think God, any, no, don't, no. I don't think any Canadian team is going to do go to the Stanley Cup until they change the tax laws in the CBA. Damn you, Batman. Damn you, Batman. <laughs> Old man yelling at a cloud. Yeah, so, jeez, uh, look at that. What a long-ass show. Yeah. And all we did was ramble. ramble. Yeah. I, I, I had some rants I had to get off my mind. Yeah, and, so this this was our fart noises on air. <laughs> we don't have uh, we don't have uh, the bearded wonder to calm us down and. Uh, well, I don't know. We haven't even checked Matt. You there? No, no, he's not no, there. No, he's not there. If his beard is though, <laughs> it, his beard is always with us. Beard is there. I'll praise his beard. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the, I, uh, that's the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you stuck through this whole thing, oh, wow. Yeah. I think I checked out halfway through. Um, I, uh, 
Are we still recording? Oh, oh yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was good. I, I had to let loose on a few things. Yes. And, uh, so so uh, thank you for listening. When, uh, when we record again, hopefully we'll have Matt here to rein us in. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real product. They make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a dog. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.